Dear Father in heaven, as we come now to uh, gather some more food from your living, abiding word, we ask for thy presence. We acknowledge our weakness. We acknowledge thy power. We want to be filled, dear Father, to be used, to be instruments in thy hands. We know this word will endure, that Jesus Christ, the living word, he will reign forevermore in heaven, uh, and in all eternity, he will reign on this earth, dear Father, and here and now, here and now is the day of decision. Here and now is the day to decide whether we believe that, whether we will order our lives according to that truth, or whether we'll just go and, and then turn away from it. And when this hour is passed, when this short time here is gone, we'll just continue as we were. The choice is up to us. We acknowledge we don't have the power to, to affect that change, dear Father, but we know we've been given the choice to respond to it, to allow thy Holy Spirit to work. Please let him work this hour. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'd like to meditate with the Lord's help out of the Psalms. Psalm 94. Psalm 94. Psalm 94 goes like this. O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongeth, O God, to whom vengeance belongeth, show thyself. Lift up thyself, thou judge of the earth. Render a reward to the proud. Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked triumph? How long shall they utter and speak hard things? And all the workers of iniquity boast themselves. They break in pieces thy people, O Lord, and afflict thine heritage. They slay the widow and the stranger and murder the fatherless. Yet they say, The Lord shall not see, neither shall the God of Jacob regard it. Understand, ye brutish among the people, and ye fools, when will ye be wise? He that planted the ear Shall, not he, shall he not hear? He that formed the eye, shall he not see? He that chastiseth the heathen, shall not he correct? He that teacheth man knowledge, shall not he know? The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man, that they are vanity. Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord, and teachest him out of thy law, that thou mayest give him rest from the days of adversity, until the pit be digged for the wicked. For the Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance, but judgment shall return unto righteousness, and all the upright in heart shall follow it. Who will rise up for me against the evildoers, or who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul had almost dwelt in silence. When I said, my foot slippeth, thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. 
In the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee, which frameth mischief by a law? They gather themselves together against the soul of the righteous and condemn the innocent blood. But the Lord is my defense, and my God is the rock of my refuge. And he shall bring upon them their own iniquity, and shall cut them off in their own wickedness. Yea, the Lord our God shall cut them off. I've read to the end of Psalm 94. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. The Psalms are an interesting and, um, I don't know, singular collection in the Bible. They're kind of, there's not anything else like them in the Bible. There's other poetry, there's other things in the Bible, but here's a collection of, of praises, of songs, of, of, of poetry, even if you don't like the word poetry, but that's really what it is, uh, collected in the middle, right in the middle of the Bible. And just before we even get into the, this psalm, I'd encourage you, as I encourage myself, I think we should be um, taking more time to read these psalms, to, to, to dip into them, as it were. They're very refreshing. And I think the refreshing thing about them, for those that love God and, and, and love his word, is that they are like an expression that you enter into, that you end up expressing yourself. The, the, the psalmist, as he writes these things, you identify with them and you say, this is my problem. This is the struggle I have. And then beautifully that psalmist turns to the Lord and uh, his problem is solved or it's refreshed, his heart is restored. And you and I, we can go through that same thing too. That's really all the best poetry is like that. It, it, it renders in, in beautiful language or in, in clear, not clear language, but in powerful language what you yourself are experiencing. And then you go, aha, yes, that's, that's what I've been feeling. And this psalm is one of those cases. Do you and I struggle with um, justice not being done, God's justice not occurring, with wickedness going on around us? We live very safe lives, very comfortable lives. Here in the, in the West, we have a functioning justice system. People go to a prison that are bad. Hopefully, they get off the streets. The police are hopefully still doing their work, though sometimes that's, that's been called into question in the last uh, year, couple years. We um, often don't come face to face with with uh, real injustice of uh, you know a variety of you see someone oppressing someone else hurting them physically. At least in my life, I haven't really experienced that. But at the same time, I still identify with this, and my heart still cries out for God's justice to be done because I see all around me. And if you you just have to open your eyes, really to get your eyes off yourself, to see all the injustice that's happening around you. And, you know, there, there is a lot of movements and popular, the, 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 the social justice movement is a response to that, real or perceived or maybe not real injustices, but it's only like a surface thing. It's only kind of a, a, a doesn't really get to the heart of the matter. All of the, the stories that you like to, to, to hear or read about or, or the movies you like to watch that have this sense of justice, you know, where they get their just desserts, they're just like a, um, a little shadow, a poor little echo 
of what you are really longing for, what you and I are really longing for, that, that what uh, justice to be done rightly. And yet at the same time, our sense of justice is skewed because of uh, our focus on ourselves and, and the flesh that we live in. Because we're so perceptive to when wrong is done to us, but it just kind of dims and gets faint, fainter and, and less important when it, when it happens to other people. But the psalmist, he is awakened, awakened to this, and he realizes what's going on around him. And that's his, his cry. When he sees all the things that are happening, the wrong things that are happening around him, he cries out to the Lord. O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongeth. Now, you, you um, may react to that word, but I think it's, it's a... It's, the psalmist frames it rightly. He, he is honoring God as, he's, as he begins this psalm. He is acknowledging him as the one who, who is the judge of all the earth. The one who, it's, he is the only right one to give people exactly what they deserve. When you or I, that's why the Bible says vengeance belongs to him, when you or I take that upon ourselves, when the injury happens to us and we want to extract back, it's so skewed. It's, it's so often the start of something far worse, a start of, of, of a back and forth of if they did this to me, I'm going to do that to them, and so on and so forth. And the world gets the way it is because of that, because we take vengeance, because we take revenge. No, there's only one to whom vengeance belongeth, to whom uh, absolute right justice belongs, because he is the perfect judge of all the earth. As he says here, he's the one who made it. Lift up thyself, thou judge of the earth. Render a reward to the proud. For those that believe in God and, and, and trust his word, there is no question that God is the judge of all the, the earth. The only question, the only legitimate question that we really have is, how long? How long shall the wicked triumph? When will God do this? And that's a legitimate question. And it's something um, that when it wells up in us, we shouldn't just ignore it, shouldn't just think, uh, I'm not going to think about it, it's too painful. But as the psalmist does, bring it before the Lord. How long, O oh Lord, will this happen? Remember the, the cry of the, of the saints under the altar, the martyrs under the altar in Revelations, how long, O oh Lord, till you avenge our blood? And it seems, well, that doesn't seem very Christian, Right? That's the, 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 the person that doesn't understand the Bible, doesn't understand God's perfect word, might just look at that and say, no, no that doesn't fit with, with Christ. But that is part of the complete picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ, is that one day all things will set right, be set right. One day the one who took the, the sins of the world upon him, who is that innocent blood who was uh, condemned or was betrayed, one day he will come as the judge, as, as the, on riding on that, uh, that horse, he will come back and in, in uh, uh, absolute uh, justice and rightness set things right. That's part of the gospel too. And the Christian can exult in that, not in a, a vindictive way, not in a way where, where we, we are um, delighting in specific people, oh, I'm glad that you're going to be judged, but as a warning, as a spur to tell them that those that turn from him, they will be judged one day, and there will be no recourse at that point. Come, respond now. How long? And, and the psalmist struggles with that question. I think this, this psalm is the 
is the answer to that, is his, the settling of his heart on that, how long, O oh Lord, until you judge rightly. It starts with their speaking. How long shall they utter and speak hard things? And all the workers of iniquity boast themselves. And maybe that's where we are at at this point in our society, is that the, the workers of iniquity, that those that are arrayed and opposed against God, it's at the stage of speaking those things. But trust me, it's going to come worse than that. There's going to be a day when you and I are suffering. Those that love the Lord are suffering under that um, that unjust oppression when they are, when you are crying out, how long, O Lord? And it's at moments like that you need to remember this psalm, you need to remember the word of God, and you need to turn to him. It starts with words, but then they break in pieces, thy people, O Lord, and afflict thine heritage. It turns then to, to, to the people of God. And this is coming too. I think that we know that that is in the future. We don't know, how, again, how long that will be till that will be. But we know that, that those that oppose God, they will afflict his people. That if we choose to stand with Jesus Christ, we will suffer. All that's, that will um, be godly will suffer. Then it even gets to the weak. They slay the widow and the stranger and murder the fatherless. I had to think, you know, the way we are going now, the weak ones are really going to suffer. The direction of society, the destruction of the family, the, the uprooting of, of the way that God has designed each one of us as, as, as male and female, um, the roles that he's given us, the uprooting and the, the, the disregarding of that is really going to harm the weak ones, the young ones, those that... Uh, are confused that this burden is now placed that you have to figure out your gender you've got to solve uh, uh, you got to figure out what they're going to suffer and 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 the, the the toll is going to become increasingly apparent and our heart ought to be uh, in pain because of that when we see that yet they say the lord shall not see neither shall the god of jacob regard it they have no regard for God. Understand ye brutish among the people, and ye fools, when ye will ye be wise. The one who does not acknowledge God as the creator of everything and ultimately the judge, the one who everything will turn back to and come back to, he is acting no better than a beast. That's what brutish means here, beastly. And you really think, all those intellectual people that... that, that um, are so proud of their own smarts and deny God and deny the, the Lord that formed him, really in the end they are saying that they are no better than beasts. That's the whole evolution story, isn't it? We're just basically another kind of monkey that just evolved from a, a further down life form. That's really what those that deny the Lord that formed them, that denied the one who made their ear or their eye, that's what they're saying. That's the Psalm 92, which uh, uh, we have in our hymn number 254. O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts very deep. We know that from there. And it says, this, this didn't make it into the song here. A brutish man knoweth not, neither doth a fool understand this. The Bible really doesn't have a lot of time for those that deny uh, that they were created by God. It says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. There should be something obvious and evident 
about the world that we've been created in, the world that we are in, and about ourselves that should point us back to that there is a creator. We shouldn't need to give a whole long scientific explanation. Those that have questions have questions, genuine questions that can be addressed. But there shouldn't be a need for that. The Bible itself doesn't spend a whole long time on a scientific treatise of, of, of the origins of man. It just says, people that are brutish, that are like animals, they don't understand this. When will you be wise? Don't you know that you are created special, that there is something special about you that is not found in the animal kingdom? You are unique. You are made in the image of God. And that is what separates you from the beasts and why you are not a beast. You are made in the image of God. That sense of justice that's within you, that's God-given. He that planted the ear, shall he not hear? He that formed the eye, shall he not see? God made all these things, and he certainly will judge in the end. That is the, the settled truth. If I believe in God, and if I believe in a God that created everything, that formed me, that put me where I am on this earth, then I must also believe in a God that will judge rightly, that will set all things right. I've got to acknowledge that my own thoughts are vanity. The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man, that they are vanity. His thoughts are the only ones that really matter. His sense of justice, what, what he says is right and what is good. And my thoughts, they're vain. They, they quickly evaporate. They, they kind of go a certain way and they don't, just, they don't make that connection. But his thoughts, and I uncover, I discover his thoughts in this word. His thoughts are the ones that matter. The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man, that they are vanity. And when we realize this, when we start to have our thinking corrected, when we stop struggling with, is there a God? Is there justice in this world? Will there be an answer to all the suffering around us and that we experience? When we stop struggling with that, when we let God correct us, that's when we become blessed. Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord, and teachest him out of thy law. That's the correction point. That's the point where I start to realize, no, God has a purpose for all of this. He has a purpose for me right now. His sense of justice and working, his plan for justice involves me right now, proclaiming the gospel, living, uh, proclaiming mercy now in the acceptable day of grace. That's also working into his ultimate justice because you know that the ultimate condemnation will not be the sins that we have done, but the rejection of his son will be the rejection of, of the way of salvation that he has offered. That will be the ultimate condemnation. It won't be. Jesus has dealt with the sins of mankind on the cross. Now the gospel is, uh, as he says in John 3, right? condemnation is that light has come into the world. Men have loved darkness rather than light. And this, understanding this, that there is a God above that will judge rightly, and I am now part of that plan of his working of justice, this gives me rest, that thou mayest give him rest from the days of adversity until the pit be digged for the wicked. God is giving me rest right now in this moment of adversity, these days of adversity, until the wicked are dealt with, until God does justly and rightly. For the Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance. God's promises are sure.
That's the point of decision for me, whether I'm going to believe and trust this word, trust the words of Jesus Christ, the words we heard this morning about that straight, narrow gate, the way unto life, or whether I'm going to clam on to, I can fix the problems myself now. I'm going to join whatever cause. I'm going to believe whatever current plan the world leaders have cooked up for uh, of solving the world's problems, whether I'm going to put my trust and faith in that or in the promises of an almighty God who says, I will never leave my people. I will never forsake those that are my inheritance. Judgment shall return unto righteousness, and all the upright in heart shall follow it. This is a beautiful portion of the psalm here in 16, 17, 18, 19, where he then reveals that this, the, the Lord within me, his speaking unto my heart is what, what keeps me and sustains me. When he says, who's going to stand up with me? Who's going to rise up for me against the evildoers? Who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul had almost dwelt in silence. And it's such beautiful uh, poetry, such uh, eloquent description of the despair, you know, the point where we sometimes get we can't see anything. We just think there's an emptiness in us. What am I going to do? How am I going to, to deal with whatever is being dealt with uh, unto me now? Unless the Lord had been my help. When I said, my foot slippeth, thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. That's what sustains the psalmist. That's what sustains the lover of God is, is, is uh, the Lord's mercy. The Lord's mercy to me and his mercy even unto those people. Think about Christ. I referenced it at the beginning here. The condemned, the innocent blood in verse 21. Christ is the one who suffered the ultimate injustice, the one who, who was cruelly put to death. And what he was praying as he, what he was saying as he was raised up on that wooden cross, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. That, that is mercy. That's the mercy that was extended to me when I was doing these cruel things, when I was rejecting, when I was pushing back against God's justice in my life where, where he wanted to do rightly and I was resisting. In the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. This is, this is the sustaining that's offered here and now today to everyone. Not um, uh, an instant... Justice will be done card to you. Uh, you know, you, you have your date in court set for this. This is when everything's going to be solved. The evildoers will be punished. No, what's promised to you here and now is this. The Lord speaking to your heart. The Lord showing you his mercy. Uh, uh, the, the Lord uh, changing your mind and giving you that sense of comfort and delight in him. That's what's given to you now in the face of oppression, in the face of, of evil injustice, in the, in the face of uh, uh, wickedness. That's what he's given you, and that's what will allow you to stand up in that day against the evildoers. This is verse 20 here. This is such a description of where we are today. Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee, which frameth mischief by a law? Even when the laws of this land are written in a way that is framing evil or mischief, that is allowing it, permitting it, encouraging it, and repressing the good, does that matter at all to God? Does that stand? Is there, that, does that bear any weight with him? Whatever government may come in, uh, in, the, in this next week, 
uh, whatever laws may be passed in the years ahead, is that, does that put back God's justice at all? Does that uh, set back his clock? It certainly does not. They don't have any fellowship with God, and they will not stand in that day. They gather themselves together against the soul of the righteous and condemn the innocent blood. There is a gathering of wickedness of, of those that oppose God and are against him that is increasing in these days. It is a, there is a gathering darkness. And I don't mean that to say that to, to frighten anyone. I think it's just we see and acknowledge that. But the answer of the psalmist to this, when he sees it around him, is to turn to the Lord, is to find in the Lord his defense. He's not going to be his defense. He's not going to be the one, I'm going to push back against this. I'm going to solve the rights of the wrongs. I'm going to fix all the iniquities. The Lord is my defense. My God is the rock of my refuge. And then God will deal with iniquity. He will cut them off. He shall bring upon them their own iniquity. The question that's given to all of us this, this uh, afternoon hour is where are we going to stand in that ledger? You know, we, we, can, we can rejoice and long for God's justice, but first we have to ask for ourselves, where do I stand in that? Am I right with the Lord? Or am I in the condemned category, the, the, the category of the wicked? You can't look to me to define that. You can't look to other people to tell you what that is. It, it's here in God's word. That is what will tell you where you stand with the Lord. Whether you delight in his mercy, whether you rejoice in his goodness, or it's a matter of running from him and running, knowing in the back of your mind that there is judgment coming, according to his word. That's the question that's given to us this, this afternoon hour. Are we going to rejoice in his rightness and his justice being done, or are we going to run from it? Because God will do rightly. Vengeance belongs to him. He will show himself. He will lift himself up. My prayer uh, is that we would understand that, we would be refreshed by it, those that are part of God's heritage, that, that, that delight in him, and those that aren't, it would be a, a warning to you, a, a stirring up. So we read a psalm from the Old Testament, and you may think this, uh, the vengeance, you know, asking the Lord how long is some sort of Old Testament thing. I won't read the whole thing now, but I encourage you sometime to read 2 Thessalonians, the first chapter, written to believers that were suffering under persecution. And Paul wanted to remind them of their place and purpose in all of this. When he talks about we ourselves glory in verse 4, in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. And I, for a long time, I didn't understand that, but I think now I understand a little bit more that what is a manifest token of God's righteous judgment? What is the evidence, the, the clear evidence of God's righteous judgment? It's not necessarily the persecutions and tribulations that, that, that the believers are enduring, but it's their patience and faith in them that is the manifest token of God's righteous judgment. 
it's as we trust in the Lord who will judge righteously, as we believe in him, as we have patience under that, that is the evidence that God will judge righteously. Not that we are going through these bad things, but that we are enduring them by God's grace. And if we are patiently waiting for him, for him to do righteously, he certainly will. This is evidence that he will do righteously as we trust in him, as he gives us the strength to, to endure uh, in a way that honors him, that he may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which he suffer. suffer. God will do rightly one day. I think persecution, tribulations, these things will increase and they, they will become more difficult for the believers in Christ. But as we suffer through them, as we trust in a God who does rightly, to whom vengeance belongeth, it will be an evidence to those around us and those that respond to the gospel, that turn from that persecution of us, it will be an evidence to them of God's righteous judgment and of the mercy that they can experience here and now. Uh, may the Lord... Uh, encourage us this afternoon hour in that and remember the words we heard this morning too about walking that straight and narrow way and uh, give us that that grace the strength to honor him this week that concludes our service